This is The Guardian. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week, he has a candid conversation with guests, including prime ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. It's been found on the world's remotest islands. 3,000 miles from the mainland. A remote paradise that's become a rubbish dump. Deep inside our lungs... The tiny plastic particles were found deep in the lungs of some surgical patients and in the blood of anonymous donors. And in freshly fallen Antarctic snow. Given the amount of pollution in the atmosphere, it's perhaps hardly surprising that we're finding microplastics in snow. It's plastic. And it's everywhere. The plastic is absolutely everywhere. No place is without it. The reason it's found pretty much everywhere we look because we're not very good at recycling it. A BBC investigation has found that plastic waste from Britain that's supposed to be sent to Turkey for recycling is instead being dumped there and in some cases burnt. Which is why scientists are keen to find new ways to break down our plastic waste. And recently, they hit on something found in a very surprising place. Researchers in Spain have found that saliva from the larvae of waxworms can break down some of the toughest types of plastic. So, could the saliva of waxworms be the answer to our plastic problem? From The Guardian, I'm Madeleine Finlay, and this is Science Weekly. Damien Carrington, as the environment editor, you recently wrote a very intriguing story about waxworm saliva and plastics. And it all begins with an amateur beekeeper in Spain. Tell me, what happened? There's a person called Federica Bertacchini. She's actually a biologist, a professional scientist, but also an amateur beekeeper. She was looking through her kind of empty hives, cleaning them up, ready for a new season of beekeeping and honey making, and found that one or two of the hives had been infested by something called a waxworm, which is a larvae of a moth, which specialises in infesting beehives. So she started cleaning them all out, putting them into ordinary plastic bags. And then after a while, she realised there were holes appearing in these plastic bags. And uh, that was the start of the idea. And so this beekeeping scientist, Dr Bertacchini, realised that the waxworms weren't just chewing holes. There was something else going on, something much more going on. So what exactly did she find? 
So you can imagine these uh, larvae were chewing up and spitting out the plastic. But actually, when they looked into it, they found that the plastic was being degraded. It was breaking down. They started looking at the saliva of these waxworms, and there are about 200 candidate molecules, mostly enzymes, which are catalysts, things that speed up chemical reactions. And eventually they narrowed it down to two particular enzymes, which they found were really, really good at helping to break these long polymer chains that you find in polyethylene, which is what plastic bags are made for. And uh, that was really critical. They say that's the most important step, the, the bottleneck in breaking down plastic is getting that kind of initial breakdown of the polymer. And how long does this take? Because, you know, plastic bags, we think when they're in the rubbish heap, they're there for hundreds of years. Exactly. That's one of the most exciting things about what they found was these enzymes break down the plastic bags within a few hours and really importantly at uh, room temperature and in water, not in any kind of harsh conditions, which previous attempts to do this have involved. Often it's involved heating things or using harsh chemicals or ultraviolet light just to really help get through that bottleneck and get the first break in the polymer chain. But these clever little bugs had evolved these enzymes which can do it in perfectly benign conditions and within uh, just a few hours. I mean, it sounds very promising, but also a bit bananas that these waxworms have this ability to break down plastics. Did the scientists have any idea why this ability might have evolved? Wax may be sort of similar in some ways to plastic and therefore the larvae might be eating it and that's why it's evolved. But there is another thought which is that a lot of plants produce defensive chemicals when they're under attack, mostly phenols, and these enzymes are actually rather good at breaking down those as well. So they're not exactly sure why this has evolved, but that's a, a couple of ideas. discovery caused a bit of excitement because, of course, we aren't really dealing with our plastic waste very successfully. How much do we actually recycle of all the plastics that we make? We actually recycle a terrifyingly small amount of plastic in terms of the vast, you know, millions and millions and millions of tonnes that are produced every year. And much of it isn't dealt with at all properly, even put into landfill, which isn't ideal. So a lot of it leaks into the environment. And as a result, we have contaminated every corner of the planet. They found plastics at the top of Mount Everest. They found them at the bottom of the Mariana Trench. Uh, Plastic is increasingly being found in people, unfortunately, because it breaks down into these microplastics, which then gets into food or into water, even in people's blood, and the worry about it being in the bloodstream is, of course, and then it can get all around the body. And then just recently I reported another new finding, which is that they'd found microplastics in breast milk. You know, we don't really know what harm these uh, microplastics cause. It's pretty worrying. Mm. So what can we and what do we do with the plastics at the moment in terms of recycling? When we do recycle, what do we do with it? Yeah, I mean, the recycling at the moment of plastic is not very satisfactory in that um, because it's so hard to break down these long polymers, at the moment, the only things that really happen at a large scale is they kind of get mechanically shredded and broken down. But what that means is it usually ends up being a kind of lower grade product. Quite a lot of it ends up in carpets made from synthetic fibres. But the problem is you can't recycle a bottle, for example, back to a bottle, not at scale anyway. And that's what you'd need to do in order to cut that cycle of ever producing more and more virgin plastics from fossil fuels.
Okay, so we don't really have brilliant ways of recycling in the sense that as we recycle, the quality of the plastics degrades until it reaches a point where we can't really use it for the same kind of purposes anymore. So the idea that there could be a more natural solution to plastics is quite exciting, but it is just the latest in a series of new tools scientists have come up with. What else is being explored in the field of biodegradation? There's a bug that's been found in a Japanese waste dump, which has been very promising. Again, it involved some enzymes which break down plastic bottles, uh, plastic called PET. <laughs> One of the funniest things that happened there was that uh, there was a group at Portsmouth looking into it. This is in 2018. And they were tweaking the enzyme in order to try and understand how it evolved better and inadvertently ended up increasing its power to break down plastic by uh, a great deal. And then a couple of years later, they added a couple of these enzymes together and speeded up the reaction by six times. So that's quite exciting. Compost of leaves has also been a place where some bugs have been found. A company called Carbios found some enzymes there. I think they can break down about 90% in 10 hours, although they had to use uh, higher temperatures there, about 70 degrees. So, yeah, there's a lot going on and uh, yeah, a lot of excitement around the uh, field. And Damien, how common are these enzymes? How many do we think could be out there? So there was this amazing study last year where scientists looked at DNA that had been taken from microbes from all over the world, like every part of the planet, the oceans, soil, mountains, everywhere, and actually managed to examine 200 million genes, which presumably took some really big computers. From that, they narrowed down about 30,000 sort of candidate uh, enzymes, which they think could have good activity against 10 different kinds of plastic. And that team were really clear that we've created a plastic infested world pretty much and that microbes are evolving to deal with this. That's kind of equally amazing as it is completely and utterly terrifying the idea that microbes are evolving to deal with the plastic that we're leaving everywhere but in some sense I do like the idea that nature is coming up with solutions a lot better and a lot faster than we are because we do definitely need to deal with this sooner rather than later But how likely are we to see a revolution in the way that we process plastics? Because however exciting these things are, they always feel like they're just a few more years away. Yeah, that's a fair point. But I feel, you know, there's definitely a lot of buzz around it and there's a lot more happening. I know that the University of Portsmouth, where some of this research is happening, has been getting millions of pounds in research funding. I know the companies are really looking hard at it. So I don't think it's going to be this year or next year. But equally, I think in, you know, five, ten years time, we'll definitely see something real happening in this area. I think it's also important to point out, though, that recycling is kind of the last thing you want to do with plastics in some senses. So the first thing you want to do is reduce the use of them where you can the second is to reuse plastics and you know a simple example of that is uh, so-called bags for life at the supermarket rather than the single-use plastics and then the last step when you can't do either of the first two is to recycle and of course that requires in the first place that the material is gathered together and taken to a recycling center that's the problem we have at the moment is that the majority of plastics just dumped or lost to the environment, uh, into the sea, into the soils, into all sorts of places. Mm. Yes, lots of very troubling places. And I know that, Damien, you're always reporting on the places that we can find plastic. So um, I'm sure we'll be seeing a new place that it turns up soon. But thank you very much for coming on and telling us about this kind of hopeful story when it comes to how we might recycle things in the future. 
My pleasure. It's uh, good to know the, uh, the bugs are at work for us and uh, hopefully they'll help us find a good solution for this. Thanks again to Damien Carrington. You can find some links to his reporting on this story and plastic pollution on the podcast webpage at theguardian.com. And if you listened to our episode a few weeks ago on the NASA mission that smashed a spacecraft into an asteroid to assess whether it could work in the event of a killer space rock headed our way, you'll be glad to hear the results are in. NASA has reported the DART mission succeeded in shifting the asteroid's orbit by an impressive 32 minutes. Let's hope our efforts for saving the planet back here on Earth start to go as well as that. That's it for today. This episode was produced by Ned Carter-Miles, the sound design was by Tony Onachuku, and the executive producer was Max Sanderson. We'll be back on Tuesday. See you then. This is The Guardian. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week, he has a candid conversation with guests, including prime ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. 